Welcome to the Media Timeout Podcast. Let's be great. Let's be great. You're home for the sports content you want with the authenticity you need. Have some fun out here. You know, enjoy the journey of all this. We're trying to get 16 wins and going after a gold trophy. Where nothing is out of bounds. Now welcome your host, Jamal Tanner. Edition of the MTO podcast. We're here on Halloween uh, to, with you live. We got to do it a little early. You know, we got to take the kids trick or treating, so we're gonna make sure we get this knocked out for you. We got a uh, a full, 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 full list of things to talk about. So we're gonna get right to it. Uh, we're gonna talk about some front office things that I know uh, Nick has been chomping at the bit to talk about. So we're gonna let him do that off rip. Uh, we got some baseball, NFL, college football, NBA. We got all the stuff we're gonna talk about. So the first thing I want to do, like I said, I know Nick is chomping at the bit, so I'm going to let him go ahead and go on his his rant about what's going on in some of these front offices. And you know what? Without further ado, go ahead and t- tell me how you're feeling about all that. You know, um, this got me thinking because, you know, we're eventually going to talk about the World Series. And, you know, a lot of people like to jump on the Astros for, you know, their cheating scandal and their stuff they had going on with them in baseball. But, um a lot of people don't like to throw dirt and like to talk about the teams that actually do bad things with as their teams, you know, do or front offices do or cover up. And that comes kind of in the wake of this week, the stuff going on with the Chicago Blackhawks and, you know, their mismanagement and coverings up of, um, you know, sexual abuse and stuff that was going on in their uh, front office and something with their video coordinator that, you know, they eventually fired the dude, but never reported the incidents and never, you know, further let other people know of the incidents. And the guy went on to do, you know, something again to a younger, you know, hockey per, uh, player who I believe was 15 or 16 at a high school where he had got a job, you know, further down the line after the first incident with the Blackhawks. And just thinking about that, I'm, you know, it, it kind of gets me mad because a lot of people want to jump on you know i'm not being a homer jump on my team astros for something that has to do with just playing baseball in a sport and want to throw baseballs at them and want to yell cheater at them but don't want to say anything about teams and people who cover up things and do things that are way worse like this is way worse like how would you like it if your child you know got sexually abused and it could have been stopped if the person who did it would have been stopped a long time ago by a franchise who cared more about winning than it did about stopping a sexual predator that they employed. And it doesn't make sense to me that y'all want to talk about a lot of other things, but y'all don't want to talk about the real stuff going on and the real things that actually affect people. Baseball and getting signs and signal stealing doesn't affect people's real lives. This does. This dude who came out and finally talked about it, the former Chicago Blackhawks player, and I saw the interview, he was deeply hurt. He... He felt bad. It it hurt me to hear him say that he kind of felt responsible for not doing more for the next person who got hurt by this. And that really hurt me because he shouldn't have to feel that way. He shouldn't have to feel that he did something wrong and that he first place did something wrong and further did something wrong that it happened to somebody else. No, no, no. This is a Blackhawks thing. This is on the GM. This is on the coach who eventually both have gotten fired from their next jobs for never speaking up and never taking responsibility for this. You as a person have to be bigger. It can't always be about winning. You can still win without this video coordinator, I'm sure. 
get rid of the dude, report him. Like, how would you feel if this was happening to your child? As, you know, everybody I feel like always says, but I feel like they don't ever think about that. You know, I'm sure this GM has kids. I'm sure the coach has kids. But did that never run through your mind when you knew that this might be going on, that you knew that these things might be happening and you're hearing these rumblings? Are you that focused on winning? And I just think a lot of the times that we don't really – you know, hit these organizations harder or ask more questions once we find out about these wrongdoings or just a lot of stuff. And, you know, along with the Washington football team, you know, they have an investigation ongoing about the stuff that was going on in their upper management and in their uh, front offices and stuff. And the most we've gotten out of that so far is some emails from John Gruden, you know, and he's gotten fired. He don't even work for them. So, I'm just confused about how, you know, their investigation about them only that comes out so far is about somebody else. And I kind of agree with Al Davis, you know, earlier in the week, Jerry Jones was kind of like, oh yeah, you know, we're good with the investigation. But Al Davis, he was like, no, I'm not, I want to see, you know, I want to see everything. You guys are good, but I'm not good. You know? So, you know, I feel like when it gets to these waters and you're now being accused of big things, we, we need to have, all the evidence we need to see everything that's going on we can't just have the quick oh we will in-house investigate and we'll handle it because obviously teams have shown over time that they can't handle this i mean how many times have teams said oh we'll do this we'll do that and then later down the line it's worse i mean you go back to the ray rice that that started off as i'm pretty sure like a one or two game suspension and then tmz gets a hold of that video and that video comes out and now everybody's got to backtrack so I think you can't leave these teams and a lot of times really even the organizations, the NFL, MLB, NBA, whoever, whoever, you know, up to high standards for this situation because they've shown a lot of times they'll get this wrong. So I'm not trying to hold, you know, I'm not trying to put anybody on this or say this team's above this team, but I just think every team as a whole has to just start taking all these things a lot seriously because, you know, it's, you can't put winning over people, you know. I feel like a lot of people do, and especially when it comes to these situations, you it, it seems like when you look around though, everybody does. Even going back to the gymnastics, they put what was going on with Larry Nasser, they put winning over that. So, I think people got to just start taking a deep look at themselves and saying, are we what are we willing to do to win, you know? Are we really willing to get that muddy and dirty? Do we really want to feel that bad about ourselves inside just to win? Or do we want to feel good when we win, you know? So I think a lot of teams got to look at themselves more here. And hopefully we can get better, uh, you know, as people in this organizations and uh, teams in general. I hope every team gets better. and We don't have these things coming out anymore. And we can just get past this. You don't have to hear about this. You can, you know, it's just, you know regular sports stuff and injuries we're not hearing about scandals and you know harassment and sexual abuse and uh just all this stuff that's going on with teams that seems to be coming out lately i think it this is a really good point and as you were talking it kind of got me thinking and and this type of stuff is starting to stack up really when you think about it because i mean we didn't even mention uh the whole 
Penn State thing with the Sandusky and all that. I mean, that was going on for years and nothing was ever said. And even that, they got sanctioned. And then once everybody turned their head, those sanctions even got lifted. Like, we didn't even hold them accountable for what we said we were going to hold them accountable for. Um, we just kind of decided that enough is enough and, and, and that's fine. They got their slap on the wrist. Um, you look at, there's so many different scandals that are starting to come out. And each of them, we act upset in the moment. And then once the 15 minutes is up, we kind of turn our heads and, and kind of shrug our shoulders. Um, and it kind of makes me wonder how, how rampant this really is. Because like you said, there's we have the gymnastics type of stuff. We have the Sanduskies of the world. We have what's going on with the Blackhawks. We have um, Sterling and his racism with the, with the Clippers. And we have all these things that suddenly come out and everybody's just outraged. But all over sports, we're having all kinds of different things come out and or not come out. It kind of makes you wonder, is this just standard operating procedures in professional sports? I mean, we talk about corporations as a whole often about all the terrible things that they do. But for some reason, I feel like sports teams have kind of been ignored in that as if they run any other kind of way. I mean, it's still ultimately just like a corporation. And that includes college sports. I mean, hell, we talk about student athletes and North Carolina was literally giving out fake degrees in order to be good at sports. And, and we kind of slapped that on the wrist. So there's just so much of this corruption that's going on within sports. And we love to talk about individual players and, and the things they go wrong. Like we talk about Ray Rice uh, as an individual and he earned that. Don't get me wrong, but we didn't talk about the cover up. We didn't talk about the fact that we're kind of aiding and abetting this type of thing. And that's become the culture of sports as a whole is as long as we're winning, we're going to cover it up. And the whole system is that way. So, and then once Ray Rice was no longer good, all of a sudden he gets a year, we make an example out of him. We push him out of there because again, it's a PR thing. Cause if, if Ray Rice doesn't get hurt and he's producing at the same level he was producing before, am I to believe that he still gets treated that same way? I mean, Kareem Hunt, we smooth forgot what he did because he can still go out there and score touchdowns for you. So I just think it's just a really big difference between it's, it's just based on what you can do for me. And I think at some point, like you said, we got to put people over over winning. And I say that as a very competitive person, because at the end of the day, I love to win. But I don't think we're winning as a people if we're letting people's lives get ruined over the court just because of so you can go 10 and six and make it to the the conference championship like that's just not a good enough reason for me for these people to have their lives ruined and hell it can it can affect generations it's not just like it stops with this person like trauma gets passed on so i just think this is a much bigger deal than what people are making it out to be um and i just think it's interesting when we're talking about an individual with a face uh how big of a story it is but then when it's an organization uh we tend to just blow it off and i just think that's unfortunate all right, so we're going to get back to sports and hopefully a little uh, a little happier tone. Uh, not immediately, though, because we're going to talk the World Series. And I know that's not something that you're the happiest about. Uh, <laughs> take me through what's going on. Are the Braves going to take it? I'm hoping not, but it's looking, it's trending that way. You know, it's the Braves are playing a real good series. If you, it's funny because if you would have told me the runs that the Braves had scored in the last two games, I'd have been like, oh, we got those games. I'm like, bet but we haven't gotten those games because they've scored three and i think they scored two in the other game so the bats for the astros have gone cold cold 
And I don't know if that has something to do maybe with the weather because it seemingly has been pretty chilly in Atlanta and rainy. So I'm not sure if that has something to do with it. Just playing, you know, I said earlier, I think a couple weeks ago, or I asked you a couple weeks ago off uh, podcast, when do every team everywhere just play indoors? Because this outdoor weather stuff is just ridiculous when you play in certain states and cities. But, um, you know, the Braves are doing what they need to do. They pitch, timely hitting. It seems like it's what they've been doing all playoffs, especially in that uh, Dodgers series. So, I mean, can't take nothing away from the Braves. The Braves are definitely uh, doing what they need to do to win these games. I'm, you know, I would say that the Astros bats have to come alive, right? Like, they can't just be this dormant. The team that led baseball and runs, the team that led baseball and runs per game, it's just, it's crazy for me, especially as an Astros fan, just to see the bats going cold when, if you would have told me the Astros were down 3-1 in the World Series, what was the problem? I would have been like, oh, the bullpen for sure, bet. But the bullpen's been really good, and even with the starting pitching being shaky, it's been good enough to keep them in basically every game. So the bats got to get hot if the Astros want to, you know, stay in this World Series and keep winning. I think they do pull it out tonight. Dusty's made some changes in the lineup. He's He's pushed Bregman all the way down to the seventh spot because he has been struggling. He's moved uh, Correa up. He's moved Gurriel up. So we'll see. But you know what? I'm going to put some of this blame on Dusty, too. He, this is, Dusty's doing Dusty things again. Like, why are you pitching your bullpen out of order? Like, putting Javier in last night in the seventh when he's never really been that guy in a high-pressure situation to come in in the seventh. Why are you doing that, Dusty? Like, why? Tell me why in the World Series you're doing that. So, the like I said, the Braves are playing well, but I do think, once again, I feel like Dusty's being outmanaged. And it's sad because he's mainly a National League manager. You would think he would get over to the side and be better, but it seems like they've gotten to the National League side and he's gotten worse. So... I'm hoping the bats come alive and save Dusty from having to make any hard decisions because I think if it comes down to him having to figure out the bullpen lineup tonight, I think he's going to mess it up again, and the Astros probably won't win. But I'm hoping the Astros can win. I'm hoping that the Atlanta curse carries on with the Braves. They're up 3-1. They should win it tonight in Atlanta, but I'm hoping the Astros win, bring it back to Houston, and then, you know, we never know what happens when you go back home and you got an Atlanta team in a crucial situation i'm hoping the lemon booty kicks in so right now i'm just praying for a lemon booty basically i'm hoping for the braves to just melt down i don't appreciate you bringing up atlanta sports history like that i don't think that was necessary but yeah i mean in this particular situation i'm right there with you i'm like i said i'm rooting for the astros for this um doesn't look good though uh the, the forecast calls for rain that's all that's all i'm saying but weathermen have been wrong before so we'll just We'll just see what happens. All right, so let's uh, go ahead and push on to the NFL. Uh, we had a crazy Thursday night game that I still don't even know what to make of. Uh, just a really weird get- way to start the week. Um, I feel like this early slate of games was pretty much what we expected, except for except for one blip in the radar, and that's, Cincinnati Bengals that we were just about to crown them, talking about how good they are, and they just shellacked Baltimore, and we're like, maybe they're the kings of the north, and then they lose to the damn Jets, like, 
can you explain what the hell happened in New York? Did they get like too big headed and think, oh, okay, uh, well, you know, we just beat the, the Ravens. We can go ahead. We're going to just smack up on the Jets with a backup quarterback, mind you. It wasn't even Zach Wilson that did it. Mike White did it. And you know me, Nick, I love college football, all over college football. I cannot tell you where Mike White played football. I can <laughs> I have no clue who this man is. <laughs> he went in there and did his thing. It got that win. So, other than, like, talk to me about that game. Does that, are you back to saying, okay, maybe they're not as good as we thought they were? Or do you think this is just kind of a little bump in the road? I mean, I think it's mainly a bump in the road. I think they're one of those teams where, you know, the core of that team is still really young. So, I think they're going to have games like this. You know, you you play a team like the Ravens the week before, big win. And then the next week you play the Jets. And you're like, oh, easy dub, backup QB. And you don't win. And I think that's just a typical NFL loss, you know. In New York, who knows how many of them went out the night before, had a little fun, was like, oh, we got the Jets, no big problem here. You know, I, I you know, those things come into play. So I feel like it's one of those L's. I, yeah, I feel like it was definitely a party L. I don't feel like it was a New York Jets L. So I'm just going to say it's a blimp. I think they're going to get back on it. This is, this is one of those losses where the coach can ride you good this week because he can be like, hey, you saw who you lost to. You can't say nothing to me this week. So I feel like it's definitely one of those losses that coaches like because the players can't say nothing to them this week. So I think they'll be back. It's I, Yeah, it's it's one of those a party losses. I like a Miami loss. Teams go down to Miami, you know, probably should win that game, have a little too much fun. It's one of those losses. There's a couple of those cities that that's going to get you. So I think the city got them. Yeah, I swear coaches deep down love losses like this. They coming in there Monday talking all kinds of shit. Oh, y'all thought y'all was good, huh? You was reading about yourself, weren't you, huh? Oh, yeah. You gonna read about yourself this week, too? Like, oh, you know they love that shit, bro. Like, I swear they be rooting for their teams to lose for stuff like this. Because, I mean, what can you say at this point in time? Like, I mean, at that point, like, you just got to take your L and just and take it on the chin and keep it moving. Because that's that's a tough one, man. Like, they were leading the AFC, I believe. Like, I think they were the number one team in the conference, I think, until that game. So, at that point, you get humbled a little bit, and then I guess you go back to the drawing board, and you get back to your work, and then, you know, you'll. I, I mean, I guess you just bounce back. Like you, like you said about the those cities, I mean, it looked like Buffalo was about to run into one of those Miami losses until they kind of woke up in the second half, because first half, I think they were still a little hungover from that night. They must have... Must I mean, especially Halloween weekend, you know, they saw some fits that they ain't seen in a long time down in Miami on Halloween weekend. So uh, it took them to the second half before they before they got back. To- they were at, they were actually at home. So oh, I'm they a, were at home. They were actually at home. So I'm going to guess they probably just partied hard the night before. Yeah, I'm just going to guess they just partied. Hard. I don't like you know what I mean? Saturday night they were at home. So they were like, oh, yeah. Uh, OK, well, I guess my theory's out the window. I thought I don't. I think because the game was close, I just assumed it was in Miami. That had to be the only reason why that game was close. But yeah, so never mind. I guess I guess that we'll throw that out there. But anyway, uh, that game was closer than what it should have been. I think they had a touchdown at the end to make it look a little a little more separation. Uh, the Rams keep rolling. We we I think uh, nobody made any money on that game. Let's just put it that way. We all know what was going to happen there. Um, my guy Brevin Jordan did score a touchdown. I've been trying to tell y'all about Brevin Jordan. I think he's about to. I think he's about to have a breakout party in in Houston. Nobody's gonna be paying attention, but you'll thank me later next year on your fantasy teams. Make sure that you keep Brevin Jordan on your radar 
just throw a little nugget out there for, for the people listening. Um, other than that, I mean, I didn't really think anything was that interesting. Oh, I do have one more thing I want to talk about. I'm done with Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield isn't good at football. I mean, ultimately, it's kind of interesting because I was, I was watching the game and I was like, he's he's the white Teddy Bridgewater. But we act like Teddy Bridgewater is this mediocre quarterback, but we glorify Baker Mayfield. I'm like, they're the same dude. Like, it's the same exact guy. And I don't understand why. Because when everybody got their bag, we're like, oh, is Baker next to get their bag? And I'm like, no, he ain't the same dude. Like, you don't get that kind of pay. Like, you don't just line up and be like, okay, I want this Josh Allen money because he got it. I'm like, bro, you ain't Josh Allen. Like, what makes you think that you go get this same check? Like, he's just not good. I watched the throw like that. It was a very important throw, and he had Odell wide open in the middle of the field, and he just missed him. Like, there's college quarterbacks that make that throw. In fact, Oklahoma's backup makes that throw, and Spencer Rattler, like, he hits that throw. I'm telling you that right now. So, it's just, I just don't think he's good. I think we've given it enough time. We've seen some good flashes, but like I said, I've seen good flashes out of Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think they're that different. Uh, he probably should have signed whatever they were willing to pay him this offseason because it's going to be less whenever it comes time to sign again. He's on some Dennis Schroeder shit at this point in time. Like he sacrifices some money. That's just all there is too. Especially now he got that injury too. Yeah, it ain't it ain't going it ain't going to be a good thing for his agent when when he you gonna you gonna see it in the media. You gonna it's gonna be like a headline that passes. You are gonna see that he fired his agent. And he, <laughs> this is gonna be why. Like I'm gonna tell you that right now. Yeah, no, I, I can't agree, you know, more. I, I just watch him, and I'm just I'm just never impressed, you know. I'm, he's one of those guys where if all the parts aren't there and aren't working perfectly, then they're pretty much not rolling. Like you saw today, you lost against a washed-up Ben Roethlisberger. Like, I watched that game, too. Ben, Ro- like, ben Roethlisberger looked better than you. And it's hard for Ben Roethlisberger to look better than you. Like, I saw Ben scramble, I'm pretty sure, for a touchdown or a two-point conversion or something. And I was like, damn, I ain't seen Ben look move like that in a minute. And he was Ben was making some throws, too. I ain't say none of that about Baker. Like, that's how I knew he was done. I was like, damn, you getting outplayed by Ben Roethlisberger? Every week I trash this dude on the podcast because he can't play. And he playing better than you? So, yeah, this is not a good look for him. And I started to see the light on Baker, weirdly, through Colin Cowherd. It's weird because he crushes them nearly every week, and it's kind of funny. But he's kind of been right on Baker for a while, man. He just doesn't have it, you know? And to me, when they got Odell, I was like, oh, man, perfect. You got a playmaker, somebody down the field. You got a big-time star. But he just can't ever click with them. I'm like, you can't click with this. Like, I saw washed-up Eli click with this dude. Like, why can't you? So I'm just, I'm just never impressed. I'm not giving the bag to a guy where I need everything around you to be right for our team just to be in games. Like, you scored 10 points today, my guy, like, at home versus the Steelers. Like, I Granted, they do have a good, pretty good defense, but you should get something going. And he just never seemingly can. So I'm out on Baker, too. He probably should have signed whatever they were trying to give him. He ain't get, I mean, I'm not giving – the Browns are notoriously cheap anyway. There's no way they're giving him anything good. So my guy going to have to try to find a bag somewhere else now. He's he going to get half of a bag. That's what he getting now. I don't think anybody else like quarterbacks don't really switch teams like that that much because people it's a big undertaking to take a veteran quarterback and just kind of switch it all up. I mean, we saw the Rams do it, but Stafford is better than Baker. That's that's an easy decision. Um, 
So that ain't the same. So I, I just don't know. I think he'll stay with the Browns. I think they'll end up giving him something. But that number is de- decreasing. It ain't increasing, that's for sure. Like, the guy just ain't that good. So you brought up Odell, which automatically now when I hear the name Odell, I automatically think trade. So <laughs> that brings me to the trade deadline. Um, I think that's Tuesday, so we got in a couple days. Who, I think I have a good idea where we're going with this, but who do you want to see traded and where to? I mean, it, it's got to be our guy Odell. One, well, at least one of the first people is our guy. Got to be a Odell. And I swear I've been talking about Odell need to be traded since the beginning of the season. And I've gone and flipped. Team. I've been like, this team, that team. It's usually been the Ravens, but I was like, ah, oh, they're in division, so I can't see that. But, um, man, I'm trying to think. where Where's a team right now that could use an Odell Beckham that's in that, like, that little spot? I, I, my team has always been the Ravens with them because I've always thought that the Ravens needed help and it's in the division, but I'm just, you know what? Tennessee, Titans. If the Titans, I think, get Odell, because I'm not quite sure what if Julio's going to be healthy because he's always kind of hurt. And, I mean, I guess Odell kind of is too. But I think that team could be that, that, that's a dangerous team if you get another Odell in there on the other side of A.J. Brown. And with Henry, who can run, and Tannehill like to throw it deep. Like, Tannehill will throw it to you. That's one thing about Tannehill. Like, he going to get the ball there. Like, I feel like Baker don't get the ball there. Tannehill going to get the ball there. So, if Odell could sneak on a, a Tennessee or maybe a Saints roster, I, I'd really like that. Like, if Jameis had another person he could throw the ball up to, Jameis is another guy who will throw it to you. He need a YOLO guy. That's what, that's what Odell needs. He need a YOLO guy. And I like Tannehill. I like Jameis. Those are two YOLO guys. Um, so I, I like those two teams if they could maybe work out a trade by Tuesday. I feel like the Saints are always strapped salary cap wise. So I don't know how they maybe can make that work, but I feel like Tennessee can figure something out. I feel like they're a team that really doesn't care about draft picks. So I f- maybe they you know make a move if they don't know how healthy Julio's going to be you know for the rest of the season. So I like one of those two. I like New Orleans for the, for Odell. I mean he's an LSU guy. Get him back in the in the in the state. I think he would do well there. My other one that I would say is Green Bay. I mean, you're basically playing for one year anyway at this point in time because Aaron Rodgers is gone after this year. So what's the point of having a sixth-round or a fifth-round pick? Like, there's no point in that anyway. But you take Devontae Adams and you go Odell on the other side, he's getting one-on-one coverage because Devontae Adams is lethal. That's a problem. I mean, I think that's a that's a team that could win the NFC. Honestly, if you get if you get them Odell, if you can kind of shut Aaron Rodgers up a little bit because he's been talking about not making the right personnel decisions, and then you can be like, hey, so this is the right personnel decision. Um, we found we got you another guy. So if if you don't work out, then that's on you at this point in time because we got you your we got you your guy really because I mean Odell on one side, Devontae Adams on the other. I know Odell ain't what he used to be, but he's still an upgrade over anything else they got. I mean, they're running out 45-year-old Randall Cobb running all these three-yard routes. So, I mean, that's personally where I'd want to see him at. For me, who I want to see get traded. Yeah, no, that'd be a a nice trade in Green Bay. Yeah, absolutely. 
the guy I want to see move is Allen Robinson, and I feel bad because I like Justin Fields. I like where he's at. Um, I just feel like Allen Robinson's never had a good QB, and I just feel really sorry for that dude. Like, he's never had that guy. I think Nick Foles is probably the best QB he's ever played with. So I think if you can get him out, I would say to Baltimore potentially is where I would want to see him at. I think that would be a really good fit. Um, they have speedsters. You know, they have Marquise Brown. I think it allows Marquise Brown to be a number two, which I think he'd be a lethal number two. Uh, it gives you kind of that steady Eddie type of guy because I don't think they really have that other than Mark Andrews. Um, I think that would help put them over the top. That's that's the trade that I want to see. It's my guy, Allen Robinson, uh, going to Baltimore. The Bears, they ain't winning nothing this year anyway. They might as well get some draft capital out of it um, and try to build around fields. Uh, there's going to be some Ohio State receivers coming up in this draft, so maybe they can get him someone he's comfortable with uh, the same way that the Bengals did with getting Jamar Chase. You can look at a Chris Olave or a Garrett Wilson next year and try to bring him to Chicago so that he has that familiarity. I think that helps your growth if you have somebody that you already have a rapport with. Um, but I, I need Allen Robinson to get to a QB that can that can play a little bit because Fields is going to be that guy, but I don't think that's going to happen this year. And specifically for Allen Robinson, I think he's I think he's put in enough time to where he shouldn't have to wait any longer. Like, yeah, if he stuck it out, I think he'd have a really good quarterback on his hands, but. He's been in the league for, what, seven years now and hasn't played with a good quarterback? I mean, I think it's time for him to, to, to get his shine and to get somebody. Like, has he sniffed the playoffs even? Like, get, let's get my man elevated to. Didn't they make the playoffs? I think they made the playoffs with Trubisky, right? Didn't they make the playoffs? What? Like a, like one of those years? But was he there? He hasn't been there that long. He was with Jacksonville before that. I don't know. If he did make the playoffs, they were never gonna win shit. Oh, maybe like, not. He could have been. It could have been, but they wasn't. They was never like, oh, we gonna win this ship. Like, in fact, he was in the playoffs. Cause I think they played against the Saints, and that didn't go well for Trubisky. I'm pretty sure. In fact, they might have made the playoffs last year or two years ago. One of them, because Mooney, I feel like, was on that team. Doesn't matter. They were never gonna win. Let's get him a championship contender. Let's let me change that. Let me get him to a team that can actually compete and possibly. You know, maybe not the favorites to win a ring, but, I mean, I don't think Tampa Bay was the favorite to win a ring last year, and we saw what happened there. So, just getting an opportunity to do that, I want to see Allen Robinson in a position to where he can succeed. So, that's that's mine. Do you got anybody else you want to see get traded? You, you know what? I'm going to piggyback on Allen Robinson, but I'm going to go with a different team. I don't know how much you like this QB, but the team is, you know, 5-2. and two. They're making, you know, they're in the playoff conversation, and I think they need another guy to take pressure off of their number one guy and that would be the Oakland Raiders you know they have Waller who you know Carr throws to you know targets him at least 15 times a game seems like and every time anytime I watch the Raiders play I swear that every time Carr drops back he's throwing it to Waller like I just like where's Waller he's throwing it to Waller so if they could get somebody like Allen Robinson who could take the pressure off of Waller and maybe get some of even those other guys open who like a rugs deep and they could maybe get a little bit more, you know, creativity to their offensive uh, play calling. I think that'd be another team that could maybe take it to the next level. I'm not, you know, sure how much you love Carr and whatnot, but you know, he tends to have those games where he can ball out, and then he tends to have those games where you shake your head. But you know, the guy can't throw the ball deep, can sling it. So I would like to see the Oakland Raiders try to make a move for a guy who could help them, uh, like Allen Robinson's skill set. So that's the team I would love to see him go to. Yeah, I think that I think that makes a lot of sense. 
Uh, this is off topic, but I'm watching this Bucks Saints game, and Jameis Winston got hurt, and I hope for a speedy recovery. It didn't look great, but I didn't know who the backup was, and then out trots Trevor Simeon, and why is it that the same four backup quarterbacks always end up in the damn game? Like, I used to make this joke about Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like, if I was a starting quarterback, I would never allow Ryan Fitzpatrick to be my backup because something's going to happen to me. Like, he always finds his way back on the field. But Trevor Simeon seems like that guy. Case Keenum always finds a way on the field. He was playing last week. I'm like, how come these dudes, no matter where they go, find their way on the field? Like, for Trevor Simeon to play... Two people had to get hurt. Taysom Hill had to get hurt, and James got hurt. And his ass is on the field right now because both of those things happened. Like, there's just certain backup quarterbacks in this league that just find their damn way on the field, no matter what their situation is. And Trevor Simeon's one of them. And I just, I just had to throw that out because I'm looking at it, and I'm just like, the, the, the field finds him. That's just all there is to it. I feel like there's two types of backup QBs in the league. There's the Chase Daniel type that just get the bag and never play. And then there's the Trevor Simeon type that always seem to seek out QBs who get hurt and play. And I feel like they look at rosters and go, hmm, oh, that dude gets hurt at least a couple times a game. I'll sign there. And they get in, and you have guys like Chase Dan is like, nah, dog, I'm trying to get this bag and hold the clipboard. Uh, this playing stuff is for the birds. Like, I'm trying to – you got a young dude I can mentor? Okay, yeah, I'll come there. Like, that's what Chase Daniel's on. And these other guys, they trying to play. Chase Daniel's like, nah, I'm good on that. So I feel like there's two types of backup QBs in the league. I feel like Joe Flacco now is on the I'm trying to sit and get paid because he and the Jets, because they were trying to start him, and then thankfully old boy balled out, so now Joe Flacco ain't got to play again. So I'm sure he's chilling. Just make, I'm sure he's happy just to make his money and chill on the pitch. I'm glad you brought that up because that's a point I wanted to make that I forgot about. But this just shows you the difference in organization. The Panthers, who, mind you, aren't great, but I think – have a good GM, they, they make a lot of the right decisions, Sam Darnold notwithstanding, they make a lot of good decisions, right? They use a six-round pick and get Stephon Gilmore, right? Green Bay is able to get a free agent and get Jalen Smith. How the hell does the Jets justify using a six-round pick and you get Joe Flacco? So we gave the same draft capital. capital, capital. One got Stephon Gilmore, a potential all-pro, the other one got Joe Flacco, a dude that even if, like, I don't want him playing anyway. Like, as far as I'm concerned, if you want me to take Joe Flacco, I need your six-round pick. Like, I need you to give me that, like, if you want me to take him off your hands. And it, I just, it just shows the difference in organizations and how widespread, like, why some organizations are just destined to be bad for a really long time. Because you can't use the same amount of money or same amount of draft capital that get nets you Stephon Gilmore in one case, and you spend that money or draft capital and get Joe Flacco. Like clearly you doing it wrong because it just doesn't make sense to me. Like when I saw that, I was like, wait, they spent the same thing. Like think about it. The Cardinals got Zach Ertz for Tay Gowan, and I think it was somewhere around a fifth or a sixth. And I'm like, Zach Ertz is a viable player. Their tight end got hurt. Boom, you get somebody, you get the dude plug and play. Y'all got Joe Flacco. For that same price, I'll never understand how some GMs are this bad at their job and have it. I just wanted to throw that out there because when I saw that, I was, I was outraged and I felt like I was the only one that was just like, "How the hell for the same price, Stephon Gilmore, Zach Ertz, Joe Flacco? Like that's which one of these ain't like the other? You know what I mean? Like that's just such a bad trade." 
It's like, y'all trying to lose, right? You're the Jets. Aren't you trying to? Like, why are we trading for quarterbacks anyway? Just use whoever you have and move on. Like, I don't get it. Nah, yeah, I don't get it either. That, yeah. That's a good, that's a good point, though. Some teams seemingly do more with their six-round picks, and some just do nothing at all. Or I guess negative. It's really a negative. Like, I'm pretty sure you had to pay Joe Flacco a pretty penny because he seemingly, as a once a rapper once said, or I heard, I don't freestyle for free. That's Joe Flacco. So I'm pretty sure you had to pay him to come over there and do nothing. So. And he's the same dude that's that was said he didn't want a mentor. Like he's, So he don't even really want to help Zach Wilson along because he's been on record saying that that ain't his job. When um, Lamar Jackson got to Baltimore, he was like, that ain't my job to make him better. So not only did you get a veteran who can't play, but you got one who's not interested in mentoring the dude that you have right now. So it's like, what are we... I'd have been better if they had traded for Chase Daniel, because like you said, he seems like a great locker room guy, and he's out here helping people. At least you got a, you basically traded for a coach at that point in time. Joe Flacco, you traded for nothing. You just traded for somebody that's going to chill, to come back to New York and just chill out there. Like I don't, I don't get it. But I'm going to move on from that. So we've been doing uh, position universities. We forgot last week to do tight end you. So we're going to double up this week. We're going to do tight end you, and we're going to do offensive lineman you i know these are the two position groups that you guys were dying to hear so let's uh uh release that to you um first i think it's going to be a very big 10 theme in my in, in my estimation uh, for tight end you i have iowa um for them you got hawkinson who's doing really well um you got kittle who's one of the best tight ends in football um and then you also have Noah Fant, who's a starting tight end. So having three starters right now, I think that makes them the clear winner. If this was a history thing, it would be Miami, because Miami's put together a lot of great tight ends. But if we're talking about right now, I think it's clearly Iowa. Do you have any arguments with that? No, my only argument was going to, you know, basically thinking about Miami just because of the history standpoint, like you said, but that's a long time ago. And, you know, you just throw out the guys you throw out recently that are NFL doing it. Yeah, man, that's that's got to be tight in you. You know, those guys are really good. And obviously, either something in the area or they got a great tight ends coach. I don't know what what, the, what they got going on down there. But, you know, I can't argue with that. Okay, so let's go on to offensive line. I feel like pretty much 90% of people are going to say Wisconsin. I am in that 90%. But as I was thinking about this, I think there's another school that probably deserves a little love, and that's Notre Dame. Like they have a lot of good linemen as well. Uh, I believe I don't want to get this wrong. I feel like Zach Martin went to Notre Dame. Oh, I'm about to look this up on on there. I feel like he went to Notre Dame. I feel like Quentin Nelson went to Notre Dame. Those are two really good linemen that are gonna make a bag, and. I'm pretty sure they're both, yep, Zach Martin is confirmed. Let's go Quentin Nelson. Pretty sure he also went to Notre Dame. I didn't type in Quentin Jackson. That's a dude that I haven't heard about in a while, but that's who popped up on my Google search. Uh, yep, Quentin Nelson. So they also have Liam Ectenberg, who just got signed. He's a starting left tackle. I feel like that's an argument to me to, to be made, that Notre Dame should be OLU right now. But... I'm still going to give it to Wisconsin because they have, right now, they have some good linemen, and they've always had good linemen. So I'm going to give them the longevity and go Wisconsin. But I just wanted to throw out there that I feel like 
Notre Dame could really make that argument that, that they belong, they deserve that title. So if someone out there wants to holler from the rooftops that it's Notre Dame, I won't argue with you, but I'm going to give my crown to Wisconsin. You know, it's funny, as you were talking about uh, Notre Dame, as Mono mentioned, we could really throw them in honorable mention as tight end you too. They've kind of thrown in some dudes in the league, you know, as of recently they got a Rudolph, uh, Eifert's in the league, uh, Cole Komet for the Bears is in the league too. So, I mean, they got some tight ends in the league too. I mean, you know, it's not the higher level of uh, Iowa, but, you know, Notre Dame, obviously Notre Dame does something good on the offensive line. Like, they put dudes in the league if you play an O-line or tight end. So, you trying to go to the league, you might want to go to Notre Dame or Iowa, I guess, huh? Or Wisconsin. Yeah, you you want to play up north. Let's just put it that way. It's all going to be up north where it's nice and cold, a little extra meat on your bones is useful for you. Um, Notre Dame about to put out another one because Michael Myers is is really nice too. So uh, I think he's a sophomore, so I don't think he can come out this year, but he'll be in the draft after that. Um, so I like that. Michael Myers on Halloween. Well, it's Meyer. This, like it's, not, it's not plural. Um, but, yeah, it's close oh. enough. Oh, there's no, <laughs> there's S? no S. There is no S. Boo. It's, it's spelled, Boo. it looks like Mayer, too. It's, I'm pretty sure it's M-A-Y-E-R, but it's pronounced Meyer, or I'm just butchering it, and there's no one here to correct me, whichever one. Um, but, yeah, point being is he'll be added on this list as well. Um, yeah, there's a lot. I think you I think you make a good point. That, that could be on mention there, but uh, without belaboring the point, I'm going to say Iowa for tight end U and Wisconsin by a nose in OLU. All right, so we're talking about position universities. Let's go talk about college football, universities who play football. It makes sense, natural progression. Um, I believe the first college football playoff rankings are coming out uh, soon this week. So I want you to make your prediction on who you think is going to be represented as the top four uh, on that list. Okay. Um, well, it's got to be first number one. It's got to be the team that I thought was going to take over the SEC this year, and I haven't been wrong yet, and that would be the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, that's got to be one. They're still you know, doing their thing in the SEC. Uh, eventually they will play Alabama. We will see who is the top dog. Uh, in that conference, no pun intended. Uh, that will be number one, two. Got to be Cincinnati. Uh, yeah, you don't like that. Got to be Cincinnati playing well. Got a good QB, scores points. I'm not gonna lie, I haven't seen him much. I've seen him a couple times. I want to see more, but you can't take the wins away from him. So I got Cincinnati at two. Um, I'm gonna go Oklahoma three. I think people would probably have Alabama maybe above Oklahoma right now, but Oklahoma's undefeated, and they've looked good since they've gone to the QB change. The QB change has done a lot different thinking for me about Oklahoma. That's a different dynamic than Rattler earlier in the year that a lot of teams haven't seen yet and that a lot of teams I don't think see during the the year. Uh, Williams is for real. I've seen him up close and personal watching the Texas game. The dude's legit running-wise. He's got a cannon for an arm. He can make basically any throw. And with that offense that they run, they're going to be very dangerous. Now, the question with Oklahoma is always going to be the defense. Can they hold up against teams like an SEC, stuff like that? But scoring-wise, they're going to be able to put up points. So I'm going to have Oklahoma at three. And I'm going to have Alabama at four for right now. Right now, though. I don't think at the end if 
Ohio State wins his conference and has the one loss, I don't think Alabama's going to be in. I think there will be four conference winners or at least four yeah, four conference winners slash undefeated teams with Ohio State obviously being the uh, the one loss team. But if they win out and beat Michigan State, the teams that they have to beat that will be in front of them are equal in the Big Ten. I do think they get in, Al- in over Alabama, especially if Alabama doesn't beat Georgia. They'll by then will have two losses, so... I think that uh, will be the four this week, but I do think in the end, Ohio State will be the fourth team. I appreciate the analysis. I mean, I only asked you what's going to happen on this one, but I mean, I, I like that you're always looking for the future. I appreciate that. Um, and I actually, I don't know if I agree with you or not. I haven't decided yet. We'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, I do agree with your top four. I probably would change the order. Um, I'd probably put Bama three specifically because of that Kansas game. I can't shake that off my brain because that was awful. Um, But I still think Oklahoma belongs in the top four. So for the record, I would probably go um, Georgia, Cincinnati, Alabama, Oklahoma as my top four. I agree, Ohio State. I'm I'm back on the Ohio State bandwagon. I got them at five at the moment. Um, We'll see if they can move up. I'm sure there's some more drama to be had because that's what happens in college football. Um, but as of right now, i got them on the outside looking in. Um, team you mentioned briefly uh, is Michigan State Spartans, who just got done beating uh, Michigan thanks to Kenneth Walker in an outstanding performance. Uh, I think he had five touchdowns total. Um, are they for real? Like, are you? Do you think that they're a college football playoff type of team? No. I, I'm. It's always hard for me to believe in Michigan State, man. Like, it's to me, it's it's so hard for me to believe in a Big Ten team not named Ohio State because it's. It, I feel like it always looks like fool's gold. Like, it just it looks good until it doesn't, and then Michigan State will play somebody and they'll put up a stinker, and you'll be like, why did I ever believe in this team? And I just believe that in Michigan State. I feel like they got one great player. And arrest a bunch and a bunch of low spades. That's all they got. So I'm, um, I'm just not convinced. And I I see two L's coming, like back to back. Going back to back, huh? Like Tango and Cash. So they got to play Ohio State. I don't see them winning that game. Um, I do think they get to avoid Wisconsin because I think there's no chance that they would be able to beat Wisconsin because you nobody runs on Wisconsin. And I don't think they can throw that great. Um, but I don't think they have to play them. So the answer to the question is no. I don't think that they're for real. I just think this is more, for me, an indictment on Michigan than it is something to where I think Michigan State is that great. Like, when I really think about it, their defense got gashed, like, their quarterback didn't look great. It was just the Kenneth Walker show. And can you expect and or rely on that week in, week out? Like, my man had to score five touchdowns for you guys to be in the game, to win the game, really. Like, you need five from your running back every week? Like, you can't expect that. So, I'm not sold. That's all I'm saying. So, if, if you want to crown him, then crown him. But I won't be doing that because as much as I love Kenneth Walker and – that's a first round pick. Not but. not even five 
Not even like five throwing touchdowns. You need five rushing touchdowns a game for my man to win. Like that's asking a lot. And then like some of those rushing touchdowns, though, they were like special plays. It wasn't like it was just blocked up and he just had like a like a you drive a truck through it kind of thing. It was like, oh, he had to like switch directions and like stiff arm a dude and spin off. I'm like, bro, like you can't just expect that every time. Like sometimes this ass gonna hit the ground. Like, and now you got to run another play. So. I mean, as much as it was a special performance, and I think the probably better question is, is Kenneth Walker for real Heisman candidate? And the answer to that is an emphatic yes. Like, this was his Heisman moment. The question's going to be is, are they going to have a good enough record at the end of the season for him to really be considered? Maybe, because I could see them having one or two losses. I think that's good enough to be considered, for sure. So, that's probably the question I should have asked. It's not the question I did ask, so... No to the question I should have asked. I mean, to the question I did ask, and yes to the question I should have asked. As you were saying that and talking about him for Heisman, this this might be one of those years where you could just vote the best player. Like, who is the best player? Like, don't even really look at records, quite honestly, because I think everybody at the end is, like, to me, Georgia, nobody's from Georgia's going to win it. So then, like, you keep going on the list, like, right, you know, we keep talking about the kid from Alabama. He's probably not going to win it. So let's, like, this year vote best player like let's get back because i feel like in the past it's been like it's been a combination of best player best team like sometimes you get like a straight up best player lamar jackson style but for the most part it's almost like you have to be on you know a good team also so i feel like this year might be one of the years like whoever balled out the most is gonna get it so he could be the one that at the end you're like you look at them stats and you're like damn he just he just might just walk away with the heisman yeah like i said you know they always talk about the heisman moment and Five touchdowns against Michigan is a, is a Heisman moment. So we'll see how that pans out a little later. But um, last thing I want to ask about college football is who gets fired? I'm talking head coaches here. Uh, there's a lot of teams that have been disappointing. Um, I'll give you one answer. His name is Justin Fuente. He's the Virginia Tech head coach. It's a dead man walking right there. Um, it's unfortunate. One of the guys succeed, obviously. But... Uh, yeah, I don't think that's going to work. Um, so I gave you one. Give me another guy that you think that by the end of the year, um, he's cleaning out his locker. Or office, I guess. Not locker. Office. Office locker. Oh, man. That's a good one. If, man, if it wasn't year one, I'd say Sark. But, I mean, that still could be pending because he got Kansas coming up. And you take an L to Kansas, that is an automatic firing at the University of Texas. Like, we're not talking like you can only lose to Kansas in basketball. Like it's only acceptable to lose at can to Kansas at basketball at the University of Texas. But if it ain't that, then they're like, "Well, you lost to him in what football?" Yeah, you get fired for that. So I think Stark's definitely on the hot seat because he's lost a lot of games in a row now. Every second half looks horrible. Of course, I don't think Texas would fire him year one, but he he he's already shaky there. A lot of people aren't a lot of people aren't loving it, especially high ups. I've heard. From uh, what Orange Bloods has said, um, are you know already uh, you know we got um, my guy down at LSU. Oh, go Tigers! I forgot uh, Edo. He's already basically gone. So he would have been a kid. I mean, he was already gonna be gone. Like I, I felt like we were talking about him at the beginning of the season. Um, I don't know if you want to count this as getting fired, but I feel like this coach is gonna leave, and that's uh, that's Franklin at Penn State. You know, they got off to a hot start, but they've kind of taken it back and. I feel like he might bolt for that UFC job if he can. Like, I feel like he's one of those people that's like, yeah, I'm trying to get out while I can. 
And I don't think I don't think Penn State would fire him because he's been a pretty good coach for them, and he's brought up the uh, the program back up to respectability, especially from you know like we talked about earlier, Sandusky, and then Bill O'Brien being there for a hot minute. So, but I think I think he'd be looking to move on and probably out to the West Coast. And uh, with him being a good recruiter, I think that'd be a, a good look for him. Yeah, I think I think that's a good a good point. Um... As far as people who get fired, uh, I think Dan Mullen's up out of there, personally. Like, I don't see how, like, Florida doesn't look good, really. Um, I think they're going to get him up out the paint. So, that's probably my one, other than, like I said, Justin Fuente. Uh, I don't think there's really anybody else yet. I mean, there's a lot of football to be played and a lot of jobs to be lost. So, um, the one on my radar is obviously Justin Fuente at VT. Uh, hell, there's probably a, a lot of coaches out in the ACC because that's a disappointing conference there. Like, I don't think there's a single good team in that conference, is there? Like, yeah, I don't. I can't name a one. Could you see Mac Brown maybe getting fired? Or, um, I mean, I think he's generated so much excitement because of how well they've recruited, and I think the bar at UNC football is so low that probably not. Like, he'll probably be fine. He'll probably retire here shortly anyway because it's not like he's getting any younger. Um, I think Dre Bly is kind of who they're trying to groom to be their head coach because of how big of a deal he was at North Carolina. Um, but I think they'll probably just let Mac Brown stay around to where, until they're comfortable with Dre Bly. And then at that point, they'll just let him retire and then do it that way. Um, but I think others, under other circumstances, probably, because that's a disappointing team. Like Everybody was talking about them as a top-10 team. And... Nope. <laughs> they lost Virginia Tech. That's, that should be a fireball offense this year. Um, yeah, I think Dan Mullen's probably the only other one that I would say for sure. Um, I think he's on the hot seat. Dabo has done so much for Clemson that even though they're disappointed this year, he's never going to get fired. Like, not after one bad year anyway. So, yeah, I got Dan Mullen. I got Justin Fuente. And then I'm sure we'll add to this list here in, in, uh, in years to come. Yeah, I know. I was... I kind of thought about Dabble for a little bit, but like you said, he had done so much. He he'd have to go a couple, he'd have to go a, probably a bit, a couple bad years, probably five to get fired, just because he brought that ship and brought them back from basically nothing. So yeah, it'd take a lot. Uh, let's switch gears to the NBA. Um, what I want to talk about is obviously really early in the season, so I don't want to overreact to anything. Um, but I want to talk about this new rule, right? And obviously, uh, James Harden has been kind of the poster boy because um, he's not getting to the line like he's used to getting. Um, there's been a lot of a lot of talk about that. But if you look around the league, there's a lot of stars that are kind of struggling. And I don't know if I think it's a coincidence that the rule has changed and these guys are struggling. Like Dame Lillard hasn't looked the same. Um, Devin Booker finally had a bro- breakout game, but before that, he wasn't looking super great. Um, off the top of my, there's a couple other guys that are usually 20, 30 a night that have been having some, really some average performances, um, average for their standards, don't get me wrong, they're still giving you 18 to 25, but it just hasn't been what we've come to expect. Um, do you, we've seen rule changes in the past that started out kind of being a big deal and then over time they kind of got relaxed back to what we're used to seeing, um. A, do you think that this is the same thing that kind of happens here? And then B, do you think 
it's just a short time of period for people to adjust and then we'll see all these stars kind of go back to their normal ways so to speak so i guess break down what you think of kind of these rule changes that we've seen and their long-term effects because we've seen their short-term effects so every league i feel like does this they come into years they're like ah we're gonna emphasize this the nfl with their taunting but the NBA is a little different than other leagues. They, they'll they go into years and be like, oh, yeah, we're going to do this. But they're either quick to abandon it or quick to pull back, which has made them, I feel like, better than other leagues because leagues are just stubborn like the NFL, who's like, yeah, we like, the, we like these penalties that are dumb and mean nothing. And the NBA, which is like, yeah, we're going to do this, and then we'll, we'll figure it out along the way. And I think that's what the NBA is doing right now. I think at the beginning they the refs were really calling it horribly. I think they were letting, I think they were getting some fouls right that they shouldn't call, but I think they were missing a lot of fouls too. I think they were going a little bit too far with it and letting defenders mug some of these guys a little bit too much. And I think along the way is that these people aren't dumb, man. They watch TV, they listen to people, and I think they start to see more and more people on TV start to ask like, "Hey, what's going on here?" Like. These guys, you know, we know they're good. They shouldn't be this bad. They're not making, you know, they're not getting free throws. Are the fa- are is it going too far? Are we not? Are we missing too many calls? And then you see the videos on Twitter of James Harden getting mugged by your boy Duarte and them not making the call. So I think you get more evidence of refs missing calls and just letting things that go on the play that are actually fouls. And I think it comes back down to earth. So. I do think earlier, the you know, first week, second week, I think refs were letting a lot go. But I think, you know, you hear the chatter on the streets. You see the, a lot of the foul calls you're missing. And, and I think that's when it starts to get rained back in. So I do think they will find a happy medium and, a you know, a good spot here soon. But I do think for the first week or two, it was out of hand. Like, it was some bad calls being missed. But I think the NBA does stuff like this. They do get it right. So I think these players and the refs and everything will be fine. I think it's just a first two-week overreaction. Yeah, I will say we've already kind of seen some of that pulled back because I believe that same game that uh, Duarte kind of mugged him. I believe he had like 16 free throws in that game. It was either that game or it was the next game. So he he found his way to the line again and kind of doing James Harden things. Um, I don't know, man. Some of these I'm actually glad they're not calling because some of them I do think it was already getting out of hand the other way. Like to where you, but it was to a point in the NBA to where if you were a good enough player, you could pretty much call your own fouls. Like, and you saw it because they would fill a bump and then they would just shoot it because they know the foul is coming. Like, it wasn't even a natural time to shoot, but they were just like, up, oh, if I shoot this, they're going to call it. So let me go ahead and do that. And that was starting to get out of hand. So I hope they don't revert all the way back um, to the way it used to be. But I do think. There are some of them where I'm like, okay, that that was a legitimate foul. Like, it's fine. I, I know they, they kind of seek the foul, but I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that as long as they did get fouled. Basically, they were like, if you're seeking a foul, we're not giving it to you. But now they've kind of like, okay, if you seek it and you actually get fouled, that's fine. Because, I mean, ultimately, we're talking about seeking fouls and how that's a bad thing. But, I mean, drawing a charge is nothing but seeking a foul. Like, it's exactly what it is. You're just standing in front of somebody... And then fall when they hit you. It's the same thing just on the other side. And no one has a problem with the fact that we can draw charges. So if we're going to let people seek offensive fouls, then there should be some room to seek a defensive foul, provided you get fouled. So like you said, I think the NBA generally gets this type of thing right. So I'm not ultimately worried. 
Um, but I do think it's interesting how you kind of get used to something as a hooper, right? And then they kind of just take it from you. And then suddenly there's this adjustment period where it's like, okay, like, like I'm not the one that's going to sit here and like James Harden was never good or Dame Lillard's not – like, I'm not that dude because that's stupid. But I do think it's interesting, like – and we see it sometimes when uh, – we go to the Olympics and we're not getting the same calls or they get called for travels or so on and so forth. Um, but ultimately they adjust because they're the greatest players in the world and a little rule change like this isn't going to continue to hold them down. So I just thought it was really interesting um, to watch and to kind of see how something this like this can affect at least early numbers and early um, productivity from some of these players. Um, so with the NBA, we'll stick to the NBA for a little bit, um, and then we'll go ahead and bring it home. But if you look at the standings in the NBA, it looks different than what we generally project. Um, like for instance, I was pretty bullish on Indiana. I think they have one win, uh, total. I think they're like one in five, one in six. Uh, that doesn't make me look like the greatest, um, predictor of all time. Um, Charlotte's doing really well. There's another, I think the Wizards have like one loss. I think they're like four or five and one or something like that. So uh, what's your most surprising team? Uh, we'll do one good, one bad. It's It's got to be the team you named lastly. That's the Wizards, right? I mean, getting off to the five and one start, especially from last year, uh, the team that they were, I guess they got better once, you know, they got rust and kind of made a little push. But it's got to be the Wizards. And I, looking at, you know, I was – I thought about them actually the other day because they got off to the hot start, and I was like, well, how are they this much better? And I looked at the roster, and I was like, you know what? Their roster kind of got a lot better, you know? You take Russ off, which is a name, but he's not really good efficiency shooting, and you replace him with basically, say, Spencer Dinwiddie, and then you add uh, you add Montrez Harold, you add a Kyle Kuzma. Um, I just felt like they added better players, and then you add a, 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 a Catavius a Caldwell-Pope, they just added better players to this roster, and I'm not sure how for real they are, but it's just you just look at it from the team they were last year. They're just a better team, and Bradley Bill has better people around him. So, you know, we'll see how you know how well they can do it. I'm not sure how great of defense they're going to play on a nightly basis. I feel like they're pretty much going to probably have to outscore everybody, but you know, I like what they have going there so far. Yeah, that's definitely would be my surprise in a good way. Um, I already mentioned my surprise in a bad way. I don't understand why Indiana's so bad. Because, um, like I said, they're I think they're at the bottom of the East. Like, the actual bottom of the East. Like, tied with Orlando or something like that. Like, that's not good. I mean, it's a little early to overreact. But it's not too early to start con- being concerned and paying attention to that situation. Because it's uh, not ideal, I will say. Um, so that's my negative. I think... I already kind of said it. I guess I kind of spoiled it, but negative would be Indiana. Positive would definitely be Washington. So who's the team that you're most, I guess, disappointed in? Uh, And I'm going to make a rule right now that you can't say Indiana. No, no, it's not going to be Indiana. Uh, It's probably going to be two teams. I'll just name out there. One is a team I guess you were kind of expecting was the Clippers. I I didn't think they were going to be this bad. I thought they would probably be bottom of, like, the West bad. Or not bad, but fighting for the bottom of the West playoff. But they don't look very good so they far. Are who we thought and, they uh, were. Yeah, you were on them early. I, th- 
<laughs> basically, I thought they were going to be better than this, but they're not very good at all. And then the other one is Boston. You know, I thought they were going to be a pretty, you know, fighting for that four or five spot in the East. They don't look really good so far. I'm not sure if it's maybe just adjusting to a new coach and trying to have to, you know, I don't know if he's running a new system, figuring whatever is going on with that. But for me right now, uh, Boston, um, like I said, uh, the Clippers, and then you could throw in an honorable mention, Phoenix Suns at two and three. But, you know, it's early in the season, but they still, you know, getting after getting to the finals, you figure they'd be off to a little bit of a better start, especially since they haven't had much of a roster change. Yeah, but I mean, when you piss off a guy like DeAndre Ayton, that's so important in your on your team. Like that type of stuff matters. Like he hasn't looked like the same dude. I think he had one really good game, but I mean, he just hasn't really looked the same. And maybe his star ran out a little bit. Maybe he was overachieving a little bit last year, but I don't know. I think that I think it matters that I don't think it's a coincidence that he is reportedly very angry because everybody else is getting the bag with him and then he's not having a great start and then in turn the Suns aren't having a great start. I think eventually, you know, cooler heads will prevail, so to speak, um, and they'll get back to winning. But I don't think this is, is I, I think this stuff is connected personally. I guess that's just what I'm saying. All right, so I think we've talked enough sports for a day of Halloween where it's supposed to be about tricking and treating. Um, you told me you had some trick or treat questions for me, so we were probably supposed to do it earlier, but you know, this is just, you know, it's our thing. We can do it whenever the hell we want to. Um, I'm going to let you ask those questions and then we're going to bring it home. All right. So like you said, on Halloween, trying to do a little fun, little theme here, trick or treat edition of uh, questions with me this week that I usually have for Jamal. Um, first one. Trick or treat the Buffalo Bills? Are you, I think I believe earlier in the season you were believing in them. Are you, is this trick or treat with the Bills? I mean, I think it's a treat. I mean, today wasn't. Um, but I think overall, you sometimes you have to find a way to win games where you're not playing well, and they did that. So I still have them as the best team in the AFC, uh, potentially the best team in the league. So definitely a treat for me okay now this team i'm about to ask you about got a crucial w today needed it real good on the road and that's the steelers at four and three trick or treat it's a trick man everything looks hard everything looks hard they're like the team version of porzingis you know what i mean like everything is difficult every point they score all of it and it's all ben roethlisberger like that's a team low-key that should be trying to get deshaun watson like, I'm not sure if he would get embraced in that city, but that roster gets a lot better if you have a quarterback like Deshaun Watson because it's not like they don't have weapons. Claypool is a good player. Deontay Johnson's a good player. We've seen what Najee Harris is doing. They're a quarterback away right now, but as it is, everything's difficult because everything looks difficult for Ben. He looks like he's just trying to, to hold it all together, but he can't move. Like His arm isn't the same. Like He's just kind of a shell of himself. And, yeah, it's just, that's a trick. I guess I'll just answer the question. I'll just shut up and just answer the question. Trick. All right. Next one. Now, we kind of talked about it earlier. Not much. This guy got a big road win on Thursday night down in the desert. That'd be Aaron Rodgers. Trick or treat, 
Aaron Rodgers will win his second MVP, or third, I guess, maybe MVP, but back-to-back MVP. Trick. Uh, Basically, you're asking me Aaron Rodgers versus the field. I'm going to take the field pretty much any time. Like, there's not a player you can give me towards I wouldn't take the field. So, trick. I think he'll be really good, but MVP versus the field, I'm taking the field. Okay. And my last one, who is the best team right now in your eyes in the NFL between these two? Rams, Packers. Trick or treat. I don't know how to do that, but pick one. Trick or treat. Who's sound. the trick and who's the treat? Uh, Rams. I like. I, love, I really like the Rams. Uh, their defense concerns me because they get scored on um, a lot, specifically for a team that, like I said, has probably at their position group two of the best players in, in, the, in the league. Like Aaron Donald, to me, is probably the best player in the league. And then Ramsey's one of, if not the top corner in the league. Um, but I guess you got nine other players out there, and that doesn't always isn't always working out. But I got the Rams. I just think they can score on anybody. Um, and before the season, I was like, they need a big receiver. Um, they need to go get one, unless Van Jefferson ends up becoming this guy. And guess what? Van Jefferson became that dude. So they don't they don't really that kind of solved itself. Um, Cooper Cup. We all kind of overlooked him as one of the best receivers like we did our top five list i don't even think we he came up in the conversation um that was clearly a mistake because he's playing like the best receiver in the league right now um robert woods doing his thing if i had to choose between those two i say the rams and i say it pretty confidently all right that's the last question you got okay so let's go ahead and um bring it home we'll stay halloween on this we're not even going to go with sports at all. We're just going to ask a Halloween question. Um, in your opinion, what's the best costume you've ever worn, put together, whatever? What's what's your best costume? You know, it's, it's probably going to sound lame, but I'm going to go with this year. I know I had it on earlier in the podcast. It's not a visual podcast. You guys can only hear. But when I first came on, Jamal saw me dressed up, and I was Batman, and I, I'm going to go with Batman because I know lines from like almost all the movies. So I can just throw out lines of Batman from basically any movie of any Batman. You can go Keaton, Val Kilmer, um, Bale, Affleck, any of them. I can throw out a line from any movie. So I like that one because all like tonight I'm just going to be throwing out Batman lines. And I, either people are going to know what I'm talking about or they're just going to be lost and confused. But it's going to be funny either way. So... Mine's Batman. I got, you know, the full one, basically head to toe. Uh, basically, I'm going to find some black shoes around here somewhere so I can look. You know, I got the all black look. So it's uh, it's going to be Batman for me. That's a pretty good one. Uh, for me, I was Tyrone Biggums from uh, one of those Chappelle skits one year. I went to the thrift store like I was Macklemore, found me a nice little jacket, blue hoodie, ripped rip the hood a little bit. Uh Got some powdered donuts uh, to get the the uh, crack around my mouth. Delicious, delicious crack. Uh, just so happened to have a red hat just like that. I have no idea where I got that hat from, but I already had it. Um, and then, you know, I, I I was able to, you know, like scratch my neck. You know, I want some crack. You know, I had that down. Had the little Tyrone Biggums dance down. So, you know, I was, 
I was in character. I had to do that dance like 50 times that night. Everybody was like, let me see it, let me see it. So I had to go ahead and bust that back out. Um, yeah, I think that was good. I had, a, I had a like a good string of them, uh, but that was probably my best one. I feel like it looked the most like like the character, and then I was able to act it out a little bit. So I got Tyrone Biggums for, for my best one. So uh, thank you guys for joining us. That's our show today. Um, we'll be back next week, uh, bringing the same intensity as we always do. Hopefully, we'll have better news for Nick when it comes to Major League Baseball. Um, but we're going to talk about it, about it one way or the other. Um, you guys have a happy Halloween, and we'll holler at you next week. Thanks for listening to the Media Timeout Podcast. Mahomes looking to flip, takes it in for the touchdown. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at MTO Sports and visit our website, MediaTimeoutSports.com, for more content.